Man, that's sweet worship this morning. I appreciate it. God has been so faithful to uh, this morning, really, just to confirm the message for today, the direction that we're going in the text today. And Will asked me if I would uh, preach this text because I've been updating the elders on the things that God's been speaking to uh, Talitha and I about uh, just about where we are in life and what what God's doing, and um, don't take money out of the plate. You got oh, I know. I'm there every day, bro. Um, so it, this is a sweet morning, man. And of course, I haven't preached in uh, a while. So buck your seatbelts, get out your Bibles. <laughs> Get comfortable? No, not really. It won't be that long, I don't think. But um, it's it's interesting the uh, the journey that we're on right now. So Life and I are are, uh, learn, are learning some things. We're at a place that I described to somebody this past week. I don't think that we've been here, but maybe maybe three times in our lives uh, together. Uh, maybe maybe three times where the Lord has dealt with us so in such a great way and, and with both of us separate from one another and then we're coming together uh, and and God has just been so faithful to speak over and over and over and over and over the same things and what I've realized I'll say up front and I'll come back to this in a little bit is that I have a I have a, a real issue in my life that God's dealing with it's a, it's a lack of faith that I didn't know was there. It's a reality of um, of some areas of my life where I, I, I have not been walking in a dependence upon the Lord. And it's, it's that I haven't been casting everything onto Him with, in, in a way that gives me peace in my life. And so you're going to find yourself at different places today. I, I, you know, you... I think everybody here will be able to connect with what I'm about to say. And the story, definitely, what we're, what we're about to read today, you will connect to this story, this particular story in the Exodus. But I want to help us to, I want to help you to stay focused on where I am because I'm trying to be a leader of the gathering place who is walking with God to join him in, re- in releasing people from bondage, to bringing people out of bondage. And what I've recognized this week is something that I didn't see, so I don't know that you ever saw it in me. What I've recognized this month, excuse me, let me clarify for now 36, 37 days that God's been dealing with this one issue. Um, where I am, but we'll all find ourselves in the story. Uh, certainly everybody will find, we will find ourselves for sure in the, story of, uh, in the story of where Israel is in this. We're going to read today about uh, Israel again groaning and, and asking God for manna and, and, and for meat and or for bread and meat and God providing that for them and, and the story there. All of us can find ourselves in that portion of the story. But I'm going to ask you again, at the beginning of the message, not to find yourself only there. Particularly those of you that have been with us long enough that you, you know, you know that this is that our call this year as we're going through the book of Exodus is to find ourselves in the position of Moses and Aaron. Being people who are willing to be used by God. Who have already done all of these hard things that Moses and Aaron have done. That have been through these same kinds of experiences that we've been describing as we've been walking through the book of Exodus. And, and we're, we're there. We should be there. We, we're at a place where we need to begin to see ourselves as those who are, be, who are joining God to, to, to get people out of bondage to sin and out of bondage to legalism. And there's not a better people, in my opinion, and it's, it is educated, and I do have some experience with you guys, and so I can tell you that in my opinion, there's not a better people, there's not a better church in the gathering place west to join God in this. But here's where the enemy comes in. 
He comes in a number of different places. First of all, he comes in to make you think you are Israel. You are just Israel. You're not an Israelite who's going to be used as a leader to bring people out of bondage. You're not a priest who God's going to use to, to help people come out of bondage. Or a, a prophet who's going to speak into the lives of people who need to come out of bondage. A servant of God who goes with God and depends con- consistently and, de- and completely upon the power of God to bring people out of bondage. We need to see ourselves as those people. And, and, and so stay focused today on that. Uh, because I, I, I have had some major correction and continue to get it from the Lord. And there's some things that, uh, that I want to br- bring to you today. And then I, I can't share everything that I have for you today because this is, this is the pages. It's now 13 pages of, of notes that the Lord has just, just copying down, writing down, typing up. Uh, just the things that God's been speaking on literally a daily basis about casting everything on Him, casting all of our cares on Him. One of the devotionals I read recently was a, a, a devotion that talked about how we think that God needs us and we, we think, God, here's what I have to offer you. I'm, I'm going to bring my gifts. I'm going to bring my talents to you. I'm going to bring all this stuff to you. I'm going to bring my family to you. I'm going to bring my money to you. Like God is, needs to be, like God is some kind of beneficiary who depends on us for anything. And this devotion talked about the fact that God doesn't, the only thing that God wants from us is our care, our fear, our anxiety. That's what we cast on Him. That's what we bring to the table. Weakness, fear. Some of you were talking this morning in our worship uh, group time about fears that you have. And that's, what, that's great. That's what we have to bring to God, about doubts that we have. Fantastic. That's, what, that's the kind of material that God's looking for. God's not looking for us to bring the strong things to him. He's asking us to bring our weakness and to bring our, our pitiful efforts and, and our doubts and our fears and anxieties and worries. He's, he wants us to bring that to him. That's the stuff that leaders are made of. Y'all with me? Say, oh yeah. And so, man, I'm, I'm excited to find these weaknesses in me. I'm excited for us to find this area uh, in our lives that God is, is beginning to touch. So I'm going to call the, the message today, Joining God in the Dark. And I'm doing that because of one of the devotionals that Talitha read and she gave to me. I want to read a portion of it. This came out of uh, Streams in the Desert. And it comes out of Exodus chapter 14. The passage is in Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 21. If you want to look at that at some point, I'm not going to put this one up. But Exodus chapter 14, 21, when Israel is about to cross the Red Sea, God comes to Moses and he and Moses have the discussion of what he's supposed to do. And God tells Moses, you hold your staff up and tell the people to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then, you know, we've, we've been through that story. But, but the scripture says, and I never noticed this until I read this devotional. The scripture says that God worked all night to dry the sea so that Israel could walk through it. And the point that the devotion was saying is that it said in this verse, it's, comforting, it's a comforting message showing how God works in the dark. The real work of God for the children of Israel was not when they awakened and found that they could get over the Red Sea, but it was all night. God was working all night long on their behalf. It says, so there may be a great working in your life when all seems dark and you cannot see or trace, but yet God is working just as surely as he worked all night as all the next day. The next day simply manifested what God had done during the night. So I hope that that already brings something to mind for you. Some something that you you have been worrying about, concerned about, if nothing else, let me just ask you to be a, be a Moses or an Aaron today, realizing that our task is to bring people out of bondage and, and maybe you're not seeing it or maybe you're not seeing people come out or maybe you're not seeing God using you or you, you know, maybe there's weakness or whatever, but God is working, he's moving, whatever the case may be. And maybe it's something that you're facing in your life right now. 
that, that you're, it's a struggle. It's a financial, uh, we, right now we are facing multiple financial, uh, not struggles, things that we're having to cast on God that are coming. We, we put a down payment last Monday on our tiny house. All right, so we're having to cast a lot on God right now. We put a down payment, and we don't know where the rest of the money's coming from. And we have to buy this house in August. All right, so that's, we're casting our care upon him. We, we have this Romania trip coming up. Uh, many of us have been casting our care for the financial aspects of that, and God has been providing. And he showed up for me last week when I needed to make my payment. Uh, God has been putting, you know, just through scattered things. I didn't even know if there would be enough money there to do it. And there was last week. And he's working in the dark all the time. He's working in your finances. Some of you are, are, are not trusting God. And I understand that. There are people in this story that are not trusting God. There's a person standing before you today who has not been trusting God and casting care on God to the point where peace comes in and fills my life and fills my heart. Instead, there's been fear and anxiety and worry and trying to make something happen or bring God some help that he has to need. You know, he's building the house, but I've got to bring the lumber and I've got to bring some skill to, to do the hammering and uh, whatever else they do when you build houses. God doesn't need us, right? He's working. He's working in the dark. And here's the thing that God has, has been communicating to us is that he wants to reveal his glory. He wants to reveal his glory. And if, I, if I'm doing something that he hadn't asked me to do, then it's not his glory. It's mine. And I take credit for it. And I don't learn about God being, about God's character through that. So we're going to read the text, make a few points this morning, but that's where we're going today. I hope that you're ready to hear this word. Y'all with me? Listen, I know it's going to be difficult because this word is a life-changing word. I've been in the ministry for 38 years, 39 years, 39 years. And this is a major issue in my life that God's dealing with. I want to invite you to just take your, allow God to bring your, your spiritual life up to another level with me. Let's do this together. Let's, let's, let's believe God for the things that he's speaking in our lives. Let's cast all of our fear and anxiety on him and whatever issues you're facing and let's see what God does. And then let's have a big old testimony service or three or four or five after this, right? And share so that we can all exalt the Lord. We can all praise him and for what we have discovered through our experiences about his glory. All right, I'm going to take us through the text a verse at a time. I'm not going to read the whole text. I will eventually. But we're just going to go a, verse at, or a few verses at a time, a section at a time. So let's just read verse 1 of Exodus chapter 16. <clears throat> they set out from Elam, and the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. Okay? Key phrase, they set out from Elam. They set out from Elam, that place that, that Will talked about last week. This place was 70 date palm trees and 12 fresh springs of water. Was that significant? It was significant. It was significant because this was the place of God's provision. This was God showing that he was already planning to take care of Israel before they ever whined and complained at the, at the bitter waters of Marah. That God only, I think Will said, about less than five miles away uh, from Marah was Elam. Five, less than five miles down the road was God's provision. They set out from Elam. We always have to set out from a place. And we are, we're all doing it right now. The, the thing I love about the gathering place is that m most of us have multiple times where we've seen God's provision. We've seen God work. We, we've, we've obeyed God and we've walked with Him in something. And then He showed up and, and we, we have that experience to draw from, that miraculous experience that one-of-a-kind God-exclusive activity in our lives that we can draw from. We, we're leaving that place. And this is a place of God's exclamation point in this passage because God had already provided for Israel at the bitter waters of Marah, right? Y'all remember that? He told Moses to throw the, the branch in and the water became sweet. God provided for the people and he, 
re-ups uh, on the, the uh, covenant commitment with Israel and says, you know, here's, I'm going to be faithful to you. And if you will obey me, you won't have all these troubles that, that the Egyptians had. Just obey what I say. So, he, so God had already met their needs at Mara. But now he adds this huge exclamation point on his provision. God was trying to get them to see his character. It's hard to see God's character when we're constantly whining and complaining, right? When we're at the place and we're having to beg God and then God provides and then we go, oh, yeah, okay, you are good. I mean, thank you for what you provided. We can focus on what he provides. Israel was thankful for the water, but they missed who God was. And so God wants them to see who he is. And so they're walking through the wilderness. I don't know what they saw. But God was working in the dark. He was already working in the dark on Israel's behalf. Uh, you know, setting them in the right direction so that when they got to Marah, I mean to Elam, there would be 12 fresh springs of water, 70 date palm trees. God had already been working in the dark for them. And if they had just put their heads up, they probably could have seen it in the distance. They might have thought it was a mirage. But, you know, in the wilderness, there's this beautiful oasis waiting for Israel that God had provided. But Israel had their heads down. God had been working in the dark, and Israel already knows God's going to answer their cries uh, because he's done that already, and, and that he's going to hear Moses when he asks for direction, but they still don't know that God's always working on their behalf. But Moses and Aaron knew. Moses and Aaron knew that God would provide. The statement that closed out chapter 15 is significant. This, this statement that uh, in, in chapter 15, it says, just a, it seems like just a, a, an insignificant little phrase at the end of a really busy chapter. It says, then they came to Elam where there were 12 fresh springs of water and 70 day palm trees. And Israel camped there. It seems insignificant, but it's significant. And Moses chose to add it in because there's significance to it. Moses wrote that here because he wants us to know as leaders as people who are going to be joining God to release people from bondage to sin and to, to uh, legalism, whatever else we're in bondage to, leaders make a big deal to point out that God was working in the dark. We need to let people know. We need to point it out that, look, see what God was doing the whole time you were fretting, the whole time you were complaining, the whole time that you were worrying. See what God was doing in the background. I've had a lot of those experiences here recently. Man, I'm, as one after another after another, where God is showing me, you see where I was working? Now, chill. It doesn't make you calm down a little bit when you know, when you, when you start seeing that God was working. I don't know that Israel really even saw it. They probably said, oh, there's a 12 fresh springs of water. Let's go sit under these nice palm trees and drink to our heart's desire. I wonder if any of them thought, you know, God might have had this provision for us. I bet they didn't think it on their own, but I guarantee you, Moses wouldn't have added that last sentence in chapter 15 if it, if it wasn't significant to Moses. If Moses and Aaron wasn't going around saying, told you so. Told you so. Look around, people. All right, remember the covenant. Remember the God that we serve. Look at his character. He had this waiting for you while you were whining. He had this waiting for you while you were complaining and, and saying, why did we come out here in the wilderness to die? We could have, we could have done this in, in Egypt. And look at verses 2 and 3. And the whole congregation of the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Okay, They set out from Elam from this beautiful experience, from this provision of God, and yet, here they go again. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Here we go again, right? Okay? Some of you are finding yourself there. Good. That's okay. We all get to that. But there are times when, how many times is God going to take you, going to set us out from Elam and then a few days later, we're whining about not having bread. And Look, man, I want that out of my life right now. I'm so tired of that. Fawcett and Brown in their commentary said, 
after all their experience of divine wisdom, goodness, and power, we pause and wonder over the sacred narrative of their hardness and unbelief. But the expression of feeling is contagious in so vast a multitude. And there's a feeling of solitude and despondency in the desert, which numbers cannot dispel. And besides, we must remember that they were men engrossed with the present, that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, was not given to them yet, and that they were destitute of all visible means of sustenance. They couldn't see anything, any provision, and cut off from every visible comfort. There was nothing to be seen that they could find comfort. There was no food visible, nothing, no provision for them, with only the promises of an unseen God to look to as the ground of their hope. And though we may lament that they should tempt God in the wilderness and freely admit their sin in so doing, we can be at no loss for a reason why those who had their lives, uh, who had all their lives been accustomed to walk by sight, should, in circumstances of unparalleled difficulty and perplexity, find it hard to walk by faith. Do not we, even we, find it difficult to walk by faith through the wilderness of this world, though in the light of a clear revelation and under a nobler leader than Moses, that revelation being the Holy Spirit living in us, that, that leader being Christ himself. There was no visible means of sustenance for them. It makes sense. Israel was only going to respond to what they could see. And they can't see any food and, and here's the issue, you know, not only as leaders do we need to be, to uh, grow in our understanding and be willing to uh, move with God uh, and point out the big deal that, you know, when God makes, when God does something that we point it out, we make, we make it known uh, to those that are trying to come out of bondage, but also we need to realize if we're going to f- join God in freeing people from bondage, The reason people grumble in bondage is because they have no knowledge of God. They have no knowledge of God's provision. They have no personal knowledge of God speaking to them, them doing what he says, and experiencing God through that obedience. The best that they've done, most of them, has had some kind of experience through someone else. And our fallen nature led us also, don't forget that, to trust only what we could see at some point in our life. Our fallen nature made us love dwelling in our miserable condition. I love what he says here in this passage. I don't love it, but it's true. That misery loves company, right? And so we like to talk about all of our problems and the things that we're not getting that we want and how God's not showing up. Moses knew the people he was dealing with. All right, so not only does the leader uh, need to point out that God was working in the dark whenever... God does show up. But the second thing he needs to do is he needs to hear from God in the dark. Look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. All right? Nothing new here, people. But listen. But it needs to be something consistent in our lives. Moses abides. He does what God's ministry companions always do. He does what, what those people who join God in ministry and in reaching folks and in bringing them out of bondage is what they always do. He goes to God to hear what God has to say. Never forget. If we're going to join God to free people from bondage, we must go to Him. We must hear Him. We must do what he says. God's response has not changed in this case. He gives Israel command to follow so that he can provide for them. And it's another test. All right, then look at verses 5 through 8. On the sixth day, when they, uh, when they prepare to, uh, what they bring in, it will be twice as much as, as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall... Know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory. Uh, you shall see the glory. Let me find myself. Of the Lord. Because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? 
And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Here's what I noticed about this, this passage. Moses goes to God and he hears this command from God and he's pointing out, uh, he, he has heard from God in the dark and, and he expresses a confidence in the Lord's provision that I found lacking in my life. He expresses a confidence, a sureness about what God's about to do like it's already happened. Look at some of the wording that he uses here. He says, At the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. He said, At the evening you shall know. There's no lack of confidence in this leader, Moses, who's joined God to do this work because he's heard from God and he's had so many experiences that he knows that he knows that he knows that God's going to do this. You shall know that it was the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you shall see the glory of God in his provision. The Lord gives you the evening meal to eat. Will give you to, you're going to know when the Lord gives you the evening meal to eat and the morning bread to the full. Here's what Moses is saying. This stuff's fixing to happen. So let me warn you ahead of time. God said it and God's about to do it. So get ready. Moses has this confidence, this peace, this security in the Lord that I have been missing in my life. Here's the big thing that God's doing in my life right now. God has said to tell me over and over and over again, I got this. Unless you want it. If you want it, Glenn, you can have it. If you want to uh, go find a piece of property to put your tiny house on, you go do that. Or, I got it. If you want to find some, go borrow some money to, to go uh, pay for your house, your tiny house, you can do that. Or, I got it. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to tell me to borrow. He hasn't told me to borrow, but I was already working that, that one out. I'd already been to two institutions and found out what the interest rate was going to be and how I could buy this house. I was working that and automatic, uh, immediately all the peace started going out of my life. I started feeling this heaviness, this yoke that I knew was not God. And so I've released it to him. Now that's not responsible. Y'all with me? I'm being irresponsible. It's, it's not uh, logical. I'm being Ill illogical. But I'm done with that. I'm not done with re responsibility. Let me just redefine responsibility the way the Lord has given it to me. Do what I say everything's going to be okay. You can bank on what I tell you. If you do it when I tell you and how I tell you, then you can't have any credit for it. I'll take care of that. There's some great stories that are fixing to come for us to be able to tell. I'm telling you that now. You know what? You will see the glory of God in my life. And you will see the glory of God in your life if you are doing what God says. And not just jumping out on your impulse or jumping out on logic or jumping out on responsibility by man's standards. Y'all with me? I hope you receive this. It's a hard thing to receive if you're a logical person, a, a strategic person in your life. You like to have a plan. You like to work your plan. And you put all the pieces together. And you like to see it unfold. And then you say, oh, God's done such a beautiful thing. Look at the plan that I, he put together. His plan doesn't make sense because he's working in the dark. He doesn't even want you to see what he's doing because that, doesn't, that means you don't have to have faith. And the whole thing that God created you for was to have this relationship with him where you trust him and you, you obey him and you walk with him in life and you let him unfold his plan in your life. And so it doesn't make sense and, and it's in the dark. Everything's in the dark. If I could see all this stuff and know exactly what was going to happen, it would be a lot easier for me. But God hasn't told me all the things that he's doing. He's just told me that he's trustworthy and he's said it that many times. And he doesn't quit. He just keeps on. Every day he keeps saying the same, same stuff. God engineers circumstances to see what we will do. Will we be the children of the Father in heaven or will we go back again to the meaner common sense attitude? Will we stake all, stand true to him, be thou faithful unto death, 
And I will give you the crown of life. And the crown of life means I shall see that the Lord has got victory after all, even in me. Do not be anxious, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth is called. He's the God of the whole earth. Who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid? For him and from him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Romans 11. I mean, I will send this to anybody that wants it. Because God has written a book for me. <laughs> I mean, it's not my, I didn't write it. And it's not something I'm going to put in a book. I'm just saying, here's what God's been writing to me in a personal letter over the last 35, 36 days. And it keeps building. And I'm going to keep adding to it. If you want to be on the mailing list, of God's blog to your pastor who has no faith or little faith, jump in. God's working in the dark. He wants me to know that. He wants you to know that. He's doing His work in the dark. And we need to get to the point as leaders, as people who are leading people, joining God to lead people out of bondage, we need to get to the point where we have the kind of faith that Moses has here. Where he says, God shall do what He said He's going to do. God absolutely is going to reveal His glory to you in the morning. So I'm saying to you today, if you have a word from the Lord, like six of us have had to go to Romania, if you have a word from the Lord to do something, or to, that where you're having to trust Him to do something, handle the details of what He tells you to do exactly the way He tells you to do it. Don't jump off with your wisdom and do God's plan or God's vision your way. Moses had the big picture, but he, all he knew was that in the morning, God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Matter of fact, in the morning, God, even Moses had to figure out what that white stuff was on the ground. Oh, that's the manna. That's the manna that God provided. And Moses experienced, or expressed, I think, in this passage, full confidence that God was going to act and reveal his glory. I want to act, I want to express that to you today. I have full confidence right now that God is going to act on behalf of my family in a number of ways. Things that have been burdening me down and now after 36 days of God's steady work in my life, He has given me absolute comfort and peace and telepathy. We are at absolute peace about this. Satan still tempts us and gets us every now and then for just a little while and then we give him the finger and we keep moving forward. He's not going to win, Right? Moses doesn't take either these people's disobedience personally. And I, I got to admit, I have done that. When I'm trying to lead people out of bondage, and, I, and they just keep going back to bondage, he doesn't take it personally. He gives that to God. I love that. He says, you've disobeyed God. Why are you talking to us? Why are you grumbling against us? Grumble against him. It, this, we didn't do this. We didn't bring you out of bondage. God did, and he's going to take care of you. And part of the reason why I think some of us have problems building, allowing God to build our faith is because we are trusting in a leader rather than trusting in God. We blame the leader when things don't go right. We're ready to pull out and go somewhere else when things don't go right. We don't get what we think we're supposed to get. Go to God about that. All right, verse 9 through 18. And Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and then you shall know, then you shall know, then you shall know, knowledge by experience, not just in your head because they've already been told, they already know academically, then you will know by experience that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13, In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? But they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It's the bread of the Lord that he's given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. 
And you shall take an omer according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some more and some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. So Moses as a leader has confidence in God. But here's what has to happen. Here's where we're joining God, right? Moses is not going to produce this food. God is going to produce the food. This is where God comes through. This is where we, we've cast all of our, uh, all of our uh, cares on Him, all our anxiety on Him. We've cast everything on Him, and He has to come through. And if He doesn't come through, there's nothing to eat. If He doesn't come through, also, those of us who are working with God look like fools. That's okay, but we do. And we're fearful of that. Some of us are not willing to speak because we're afraid of looking like fools. But here's what happens after the leaders, after we express confidence in God's character in the dark, and then God ultimately, God brings what he was doing in the dark into the light. He takes what he was doing in the dark and and it shows up in the light. God is faithful to do all that he said he would do. Enough said. God is always faithful. You can always depend on God to do what he says he will do. Not only does God provide what he said he would, but now he's going to continue to work in the people to get them out of their bondage to those things that have to be seen and bring them to a place where they, his goal is to bring them to a place where they'll have peace in the dark, in the place where they can't see. So God's doing something. He's about to move Israel. And again, some of you are at a place, maybe today you're at a place where you are finding yourself with Israel here. What? I have a bill and there's no money or I can't see it yet or there's no plan. God's telling me to trust. And you're grumbling against God or against your leaders. But God's not going to stop working with you to move you to a point of, of perfect peace in your life. He didn't give up on me after 30 nine years of ministry to bring me to this place where I can have peace just on what God said in many major things in my life right now direction of ministry place to live house that I got to get rid of uh, work that I've got to do to get the house ready to get get out money that I need to do all this stuff with on and on and on it goes God's working with me and he'll work with you so God continues to work with Israel not only is he does he provide for them? And then he, he uses this provision to help Israel to move out of their bondage to the scene toward a place of peace in the dark. Look at it in verse 19. Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and bred worms and stank. <laughs> They're going to take the stuff, do it with it themselves, and it bred worms, and I love this word, it stank. It was stanky in the morning, all right? And Moses was angry with them. Moses is like me, all right? Morning by morning, they gathered it, each one as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. What's God doing? He's teaching Israel to have peace in the dark. If he save enough, then you can see it. If you, if you can bring it to the house and pack it away and bargain with somebody for theirs, and bring it to your house, and store it, then you don't have to have faith in God for tomorrow, right? And so God made it stank. (laughs) There's no way they could do it. Because God's going to take them from a place of trusting in the scene to a place of faith in Him. Peace. Peace, literally. Having peace in my body. Not faking it. Not saying, oh, I'm really, I'm at peace. This is where I've been for a long time in my life. Oh, really, I'm, everything's fine. No, really, I'm good. Blood pressure's up. Can't sleep at night. Wake up in the middle of the night. Can't stop thinking about stuff. Stay awake two hours. God, please make me go back to sleep. I've been sleeping like a baby here lately. You know why? God's been dealing with me. He's bringing me, he brought me from a place of having to see it to a place of total peace in the dark. I'm peaceful in the dark. It comes from one place. It comes from God working in my life over and over again. For me, 39 years. For you, hopefully, not that long. 
that you'll get to this place by trusting the Lord, watching Him work. But if we're going to lead people, we need this experience in our life. And so Moses does that. They gathered it as much as they could eat, and then it melted. God is sovereign over His people. He doesn't need our help to provide for us. He's got it. And He's purposeful in how He provides for His people. We don't need to be amateur providences in people's life either by providing things that God intends to provide. Stop letting their, let their, let their, provision, their, their own provision stank so God can get rid of it and they can quit depending on themselves. It's what I do with you. It's what I try to do with you. I'm not going to give you provision. I'm going to give you God. I'm going to tell you to go to Him. Hear what He says. Trust what He says. Watch what He does. All right, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread Two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until till the morning. Okay, so they knew they would not last till the morning. But now Moses is giving them a command from God. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink. There were no worms in it as Moses commanded them. All right? Moses said, eat it today for it is the Sabbath of the Lord. Today you will find rest, you will find it in the field. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people, of course, went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you a Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. All right, the fifth day. Leaders rest because they trust that God is working in the dark. Leaders will rest because they trust that God is working in the dark. That's what the Sabbath is about. The Sabbath is about us resting. And the only way we can really rest and have a Sabbath rest is because we trust that God is taking care of all the other stuff. And he's trying to teach Israel, you don't have to see it. I know you have to work every day to get, get what you need, but you don't have to work on this day. You know why? Because you get what you need because I give it to you. Not because you earned it. You gotta trust me in the dark. I'm working for you. I'm providing for you when you can't see it. So rest. This whole idea of rest is what God has been giving me. This, this concept of casting all my care and anxiety and worry, none of which lets me rest. Get, to cast all of my burdens, all this stuff that keeps me bottled, uh, that I keep bottled up inside and, I, and, I, and I'm struggling with, God is brought out of this, to the surface and he's saying, I got it. Let me have it. And so, and if he said it once, that'd be one thing. If he said it twice, it'd be another. You know, if he said it for four or five times in a month, that'd be okay. But he said it every day, every day. I, you know, y'all hearing me? Listen, it's every day that God's been speaking this. There's, this is significant for us. If we're going to lead people out of bondage, we need to be able to have peace that God is working in the dark. And peace means we rest. Peace means we Sabbath. We are trusting in God and know that He's doing the work. All right, let me finish it up. Verses 31 to 36. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Mm. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that you may see that the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. And as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. And the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years till they came into the inhabitable land. They ate manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. An omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Here's the last thing that leaders do. Leaders remember. Leaders remember. 
the work of God. Leaders draw from the experiences. Leaders share their testimony of how God's worked. Leaders want to remember and they follow God as, as we talk over and over again about the same, what seems like the, a broken record at the gathering place of, of knowing God by experience through, through obedience, of abiding in Him. It seems like a broken record. We say it over and over and over again and we share our testimonies and our stories and life groups. And we're always talking about how God said and we did and, and God showed up and He's revealed Himself to us. That's a good record to be broken and some of you don't even know what a broken record means. It means it keeps skipping and it goes back. It's a vinyl thing, okay? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the message that we have to tell. It's, it's walk with God in relationship to Him. Abide in Him and God's going to grow you to a place ultimately like, again, hopefully not 38 years from now, but hopefully in a very short time of you walking with God and being committed to Him, that your heart will bring you to a point where you can have peace in the, in the dark. You can have a peace when you can't see what God's doing just because you've met with God this day and you've laid your worry and anxiety before the Lord and He spoke. And He spoke later in the day. And during the day, he, you heard a song and He spoke through that and somebody spoke and you heard that or a podcast you did and your sermon on Sunday spoke about it too and everything is speaking to you because the whole, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the one speaking. And he's trying to get us to a point where we can be, move from having to be dependent upon the, the scene for our peace to the point where we can depend on what he says for our peace. We don't know. Life and I don't know what the Lord is going to do yet. We don't know. We haven't had a word that God said you're going to have a, a piece of property with you know everything you want on it and it's going to be beautiful and God has just said, I got it. I've got it, and I want you to trust me. As a matter of fact, here's what God's done. He's taken away all of our manna that we were trying to store up. Everything that we were trying to store up is gone. Every situation where we thought it could work out and things were going to be good and easy, God's taken it away, except the things that he's told us to do. Last weekend was the easiest weekend we ever had. God provided the money. It's not costing us any more per month for us to go and put this down payment on this tiny house. And we've done that. This week, we've been working in the house. And so I thought we were just amazed at how much better we feel now because we're getting our house ready to sell. I, I'm not convinced of this, but I think it'd be a really cool thing if God just sold the house and we didn't even put a sign in the yard. Can God do that? He can. Am I going to do it that way? If he says, I will. If he doesn't, I won't. I don't know what God's going to do in the specifics. Y'all with me? But here's what I know. God has given me an absolute, clear, decisive word that he's got it if I won't touch it. And as I've thought about us leading people out of bondage, us joining God to get people out of bondage, we need to allow God to create in us the attitude of a Moses and an Aaron. He needs to be able to build into us this kind of uh, peace and dependence upon him. This kind of, I don't need to do this, I need to rely on him to do it through me and follow him step by step by step. And if, if we can do that, I'm, I really believe the Lord wants to do that in our hearts. He wants to build that kind of character in us, a, a character that depends on his character. Then I think we're going to begin to see People seeing the Lord instead of seeing us. Trusting Him instead of trusting us. Trusting His name instead of trusting the gathering place name. Right? Alright, it's my prayer for us this morning. Father, thank You for working in the dark. Thank You for what You're doing in my life right now in Talitha's life. I thank You that You are building into us the kind of confidence that we, we need, uh, Lord, just to be able to have peace in this life. It's so much bigger than this thing that you're doing. Father, but it's, uh, it's character that you're building. And it's, you're giving us revelations of who you are that are blowing our minds. 
So, Father, we begin today, uh, I pray personally, Father, that you would, that your glory would be seen in my life. That, Father, you would continue to speak specific things for us to do. And, Father, know that we are going to wait on you. It feels like no risk at all right now for me to say that. Or I say it with perfect peace in my heart. And I thank you that you've done that work over these 36, 37 days. Father, I pray that for every one of our members. God, that we would have the kind of peace that Moses and Aaron had so that we can stand before people who need to come out of bondage and say that there is a God who loves you and is faithful. He is a faithful Father and a provider. And His Holy Spirit will guide you and speak to you and, and give you the most incredible life, life full of joy. God, give us all that message. Not just because we read it in the book, but because we've experienced it. Lord, we have been to Elam. Nearly everyone here has been to Elam. We have our own stories. Father, you are the God of Elam. You're working in the dark, providing, preparing, help us to trust. And on the specific things that our members today and the people here, the specific things that have come to mind as, I, as we've talked about fear and anxiety, those things that are, that are bringing that in our lives, I pray that you would speak to those things for every person. And let this be a corporate experience of peace. We give you glory and praise for all that you're going to do, God. We look forward to the testimonies and stories that are going to come. You are faithful, loving God.